All right. Well, the message already got preached, so see you later. No. <laughs> Go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. I think most of what is going to be said is men said, so we'll just, we'll just do a little review here. Maybe we'll add a little bit to it. Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us and opening the Word of God to us. Hey, if you're a guest, we love to worship Jesus, just in case you didn't notice. Uh, we almost don't want to stop sometimes. It's always the, uh, here's the deal. When you've been a worship leader and then you're a pastor, you've got this inner battle going on all the time. Because you always want to keep singing. But you do want to preach, too. So it's like, which one is going to win? <laughs> Both, yeah, both. So that's why we just stay here for a while <laughs> and just do both, right? <laughs> so Matthew 9, or Mark 9, excuse me. We're not in Matthew yet. We're going to get there. Uh, Mark 9, verse 14. This story may be familiar to you. It may be not. Uh, this is when Jesus has just been on the mountain uh, with the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he is become white as light before them. It's called the transfiguration. And they they saw Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. And, you know, so they've had this amazing encounter with God. So three of them are up on the mountain with Jesus. You know, there's, there's 12 disciples, so nine of them are not on the mountain, okay? And so we're going to, basically where we're going to pick up right now is at the bottom of the mountain with Jesus and the three disciples coming down from this amazing time. And it says this, when they came to the other disciples, this is verse 14, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. You know, the presence of Jesus just moves you. Whenever I, I get in his presence... I'm overwhelmed with wonder. Anyway, that's free. What are you arguing with them about, Jesus asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Hey, so now you've got the dynamics here. You've got crowd dynamics going on. Jesus says, What's going on? And some random dude just starts talking. Okay, the loudest guy in the group, the one that's not afraid to answer it. He says, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This is one of those times where the disciples were not volunteering information, right? You know, like, hey, what's going on here? Why are you arguing? And the disciples are like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. These crazy religious people here, they're causing problems. The Pharisees, they're causing problems again. So Jesus says, you unbelieving generation... How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Okay, this, this is like a serious demonic issue. If you haven't, you know, if you have, the disciples haven't figured it out, everybody's figured it out, this is, this is serious. Just so you know, the reason the enemy does that is so you, so you get focused on him. Okay? If you ever run into anything where there's, 
demonic stuff going on. The, the devil wants you to start getting all crazy about him. Jesus doesn't even pay attention. Did you notice this? He's, the, the kid is on the ground. And he's not unloving. He's just, he's just in charge. And Jesus, so Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? So he's not paying any attention to what the devil's doing. From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. And here's the deal. I don't think Jesus was, was mad at him. I think he was, he had a smile on his face right at this time. He's probably saying, if you can, hello. <laughs> Maybe he even laughed a little bit. Everything is possible for one who believes. So immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, it was getting to be a bigger crowd, he rebuked the impure spirit, unclean spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, This kind can come out, can come out only by prayer, or some would say in some parts it would say by prayer and fasting. So here's the deal. I feel like most of, most of the time we're, we live where this man was. We live in that place of believing, yet we're fighting unbelief. I mean, I, I believe, I've been here so many times that, I know I preached on this passage several times. That's what happens when you pastor for like a dozen years now. It's been 12 years now. 12 years ago. That's a long time. I mean, I'm only 22, so. Uh, <laughs> but here's the deal. So it doesn't matter. When you walk with Jesus, you still have to have to go through new doors. You just still have to enter into new places. You have to grow. And when you, when you grow, it's going to be a new challenge for you. Last week we talked about how does, how does maturity come? One of the things that comes by testing. You know, you don't grow without a test. So if you're wanting your life to be just, woo, nice and easy, then, uh, I'm sorry. You signed up for the wrong thing. The, the kingdom of God is, is not about being easy. It is about being simple and powerful, but it's not about necessarily being easy. Uh, it can be very difficult sometimes, but the battle is this. The battle is, will I believe? When you break it down to its simplest thing, basically it's, are you going to believe Jesus or not? That's really all it is. That's all of the Christian life. If you're going to wrap it up very simply, you either trust Jesus or you trust what somebody else is doing or saying in your life. Whether that's a person, whether that's a, a spiritual force, a demonic force, what, I can pay attention to them and put my uh, focus and my, really my faith in what's going on in front of me, or I can put my trust in Jesus. As Greg was saying earlier, it's like, you know, the, when we step into faith, we're stepping into things that are not seen. Have you ever heard that illustration 
you know, have you ever seen the illustration of, you know, faith is just trusting when you can't see and you've got, you've got someone behind you and you have to fall into them or you've had them like, have you ever heard somebody say this? Faith is like, you know, sitting in a chair and the, that the chair is going to hold you up. I'm going to change that up a little bit. Faith is not, faith is like sitting in a chair, but it's like you've never seen a chair before. That's what faith is. Faith is something you haven't seen before. So it's not like I can picture a chair, I can see a chair, I know what a chair is, and I can go, okay, you can tell me there's a chair behind me, and by faith, I can sit down in it. But Jesus, with Jesus in the kingdom, sometimes it's like this. Jesus says, there's a chair behind you, sit down, and you're like, what's a chair? He's like, well, trust me, and you'll find out what it is. Step out and take a risk, but believe me, I'm telling you, when you sit down, you won't fall. And we're concerned so many times with like, God, can you like, can you show me what a chair looks like? Give me a vision of a chair, God. <laughs> let me, let me see what it looks like. Here's the deal. If you see it, then it's no longer faith. If you can see it, it's not faith. It's just seeing it. <laughs> What does it say in Corinthians? It says, you know, it's the unseen things. With that same spirit of faith I speak, it's it's like, you know, I don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So the unseen reality is where where our faith lies. It's something I haven't seen before. Maybe I've seen something like it. I've sat in a stool before, but now I, I don't know what a chair is. I know it's a ridiculous illustration, but it gets the point across because faith is not about something we've seen before, but it is about trusting Jesus into a place I've never been before. This guy is like all of us. When we've got something in our life that is demanding our attention, it's trying to say, hey, 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 hey. This is what his, this man was focused on. Man, can you imagine the heartbreak as a parent? I mean, he's got this kid and there's something happened when he was very young in childhood. We don't know what happened. We don't know why there was this demonic influence in his life. We don't know what's going on, but He's like, man, I've had, I've gone through all the, all the rituals. I've done all the prayers. I've done all the things. And then finally I heard that Jesus is coming to town and I get here and well, you're on the mountain, you know, with three of your best buds and the nine other ones who aren't quite as good as the th- three great ones. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you know, ta- this, this isn't in the Bible. Okay. This is- <laughs> This is just me interpreting this guy's thoughts. And I brought the, so I said, well, I'll try these nine guys. You know, they, they've been hanging around with Jesus. In fact, they've gone to other towns and seen things. They've seen people healed. You remember that, right? That these nine disciples that were down here, they've already been sent out. They've already seen demons flee. They've already seen bodies healed. They preach the good news of the kingdom of God without Jesus. But they run into something they've never seen before. They've some challenge they can't face on their own. And so the man says, oh, I brought them to these guys. And, well, they couldn't do anything. 
And here's what happens when, you know, then the religious people start showing up and they start arguing. Well, you know, that's because, you know, you're really wrong and blah, blah, blah. And the way you're believing is not quite right. And so there's this argument with the disciples and the disciples are now engaged in an argument that they're not supposed to be in. And what needs to happen right now is this boy needs to get free. This boy needs freedom. He needs deliverance. He needs healing. And now the disciples are just having a religious argument. You know, haven't we done that as the church sometimes? We're just having our religious arguments, and there's people over here dying and need freedom and deliverance, and we're saying, well, you know, when you all aren't like that, I know that. <laughs> I can. I used to be like that a lot more. Then I got out of Bible college. <laughs> Sometimes you go to Bible college and you learn to argue, and you're like, man, I'm really smart. And then you get out in the world and you go, that really doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, I'm, congratulations, you're smart, but right now this person is about to get a divorce. What are you going to do with their life? I can't argue about whether you know I should baptize total immersion or whether tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or whether the rapture is going to happen or it's not going to happen or it's going to happen at this point because right now this person just needs help from Jesus. And so the spirit of religion, the religious spirit will always get us arguing about something that doesn't bring freedom to people. And so all this is going on and then finally Jesus shows up. I mean, it's why the crowd was, you know, it says they were overwhelmed with wonder. I mean, it's like a worship service. Jesus shows up, boom, worship service going on. They're like, whoa, whoa, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And then Jesus is, he's asking, what are you arguing? What? Why are we having an argument with the Pharisees? And then the mound gives the information and has all this. And he states, and Jesus says, look, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? <laughs> What's been going on? And he's like, well, if you can do something, God, if you can, would you do it? And he's like, have you ever done that in your prayers? Have you ever prayed the if you can prayer? You know, well, God, if you can do something, would you please do it? And his answer is going to be the same as Jesus gave to this guy. If you can, he's going to laugh about it. He's not going to slap you around. Okay. He's loving. He's a good father. He's, he's going to go, if, if I can, everything's possible for him who believes. And so this man gives an honest response. See, God wants us to be honest with him. He doesn't want us to pretend. You know, the only problem, issue I have with the faith movement that happened a while ago, it's most of you weren't even born then now. It's like, but, you know, some of you were born and were actually adults then. I was just born. But was this, it, faith became pretending that something wasn't happening. Right? Isn't that right? Though, yeah, I'm looking at some of you. You remember that? <laughs> Just say no. That way you're not old. No. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it became, you know, it, it was right. Because you do believe God for things. And you do have to, you do have to fight off unbelief. And you do have to confess things. There, there is a lot of truth in it. But it got to where people would just pretend that nothing bad was happening. 
And see, faith is not pretending that nothing's bad is happening. Faith is being honest where you are, but saying, Jesus, I need your help. And then when Jesus comes in and says, let me speak to you, and he's like, help my unbelief. This is a great prayer to pray. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because unbelief is always running its mouth in my ear. I don't know about you, but in this life, unbelief is, is just like this thing that, that runs its mouth. It's like discouraging us from hope, putting us away from faith and saying, no, 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 no. And because our senses, our natural senses, just as Greg was saying earlier, our natural senses tell us one thing, but we have faith moves beyond our natural senses to our spiritual senses. It's not based on feeling. It's not based on if I'm having a good day. It's not based on anything else unless I, except me connecting with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of faith. Who's the one that gives us faith, right? The Holy Spirit. When you're, when you become a child of God, you receive the Holy Spirit and He begins to work in your life, but you have to give Him permission. I think we sing that song sometimes. What is it like? I give you permission, God. It's a great line in a worship song because that's sometimes that's all God's looking for. Just I, I need permission. He He doesn't force anybody. Have you noticed that? Have you wished He sometimes would force you? Yeah, I have sometimes been like, God, just can you just fix this problem right here? <laughs> if the problem is here or here, I don't know where it, where it is, God, but can you just take care of it? He's like, well, we're going to have to just work through that, pal. I want you to grow. I want you to be mature. I don't want you to just have a magic pill. Because faith is not meant to be a magic pill. It's meant to be a relationship with a loving father, with a God who's good, where the better I get to know him, the more I trust him. And so this man prays an honest prayer that I think we, we, we live in, and I think it's okay to live in it as long as we continue to grow. As long as we don't stay there, we can say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now you might travel further on in your faith journey, and you're gonna say it again, but you're at a different place. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you can, don't always believe that when you face something similar that you're, you're back in the, in the past still. You might just be at a different place. You might be facing a similar thing. Did you know, you know in the Old Testament when, uh, why do I even have these? Um, <laughs> in the Old Testament when David killed Goliath, you know that Goliath had brothers? I didn't look it up, so this is all off the top of my head. It's in the book of like Samuel or Kings. It says later on that they faced like Goliath's brother. And so there was another giant. There, there was like four of them that they had to kill. And David had to face them all with his, with his mighty men. It's like, God, haven't I dealt with this before? He's like, yeah, but this is the brother. <laughs> You just gotta, you gotta face its brother. You know, sometimes we're facing them. I don't know if demons really have brothers, okay, or whatever, but just, you know, we're gonna face something that's similar, but it's not the same. And we don't need to believe, oh man, I'm still back here. I'm still back here in this giant. He came back to life! It's like, no, that giant's dead. God's like, guess what? You're just facing the next one. And it takes the same, the same victory comes, your victory is this. It says in 1 John, what is our victory? Our faith. 
Our trust in God is the way we win the victory. That's why when we sing the songs like we spontaneously were singing there, what what was the one we were just singing at the end there? Help me out. This is how I fight my battles. Thank you. Uh, this is how I fight my battles. What, what does the song basically go on to say? Basically, it's like, basically, I'm going to worship. This is how I fight my battles. Why? Because worship is always an act of faith. Because I can't see God, right? I'm not seeing something with my... I mean, think about how ridiculous it is. If God doesn't exist, we're up, we're singing all these songs to the air and we're like waving our hands. Some people are getting really into it. They start dancing or moving around or waving a flag or, you know, what, whatever they like to do. You know, if you get really fast at camp, you might jump up and down, just whatever. You know, if God didn't exist, it's really ridiculous. I mean, at least a, a normal concert makes sense. You know what I'm saying? If there's like a performer, you know, and we go to see whatever performer and we're jumping because we're celebrating, you know, what they're doing, right? I mean, that's the point of a concert in general. I'm not saying it's, I'm not trying to make a statement about concerts. I'm just the facts. You know, when someone goes to see somebody famous, I don't even know anybody famous anymore. I'm too old and too irrelevant, but. <laughs> You know, when people go to see whoever's popular right now, like some Jenny Zoo or whoever we saw on the, some ad, I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Uh, that's not even the right name. They're jumping around. At least you know they're there for somebody, right? But, man, we show up, and you can't see who we're worshiping. We can't see any of it with our eyes. I mean, that's why the world's like, hey, that's, that's great that you're worshiping your imaginary person. Hey, either he's real or he's not. But if he's real, it is still an act of faith to say, God, I'm going to worship you right now. That's This is how I fight my battles. And that's why the victory comes with faith, because when I activate faith, then I'm releasing myself into the kingdom, and I can see the things of God be released. This guy just has a little bit of faith. So turn to Matthew 17. We're going to see the rest of what Jesus says here really quickly. See, we're just reviewing everything that's been said. We're just walking through the door of hope. Matthew 17 and verse, well, it started 19. So this is the same account. This is just Matthew. Matthew adds a little bit of detail, a little bit different detail. Uh, you know, that's how you can know that the Bible, one of the reasons the Bible is true, is that if you talk to four different eyewitnesses, they'll describe the same event a little bit differently. You know, if every part of the Bible, people sometimes get tripped up by this, but if every part of the Bible, like Matthew, when he's remembering this, he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Like he's not totally shut off. Matthew is still involved in this when he writes the book of Matthew, the same as Mark was, who was relaying it, hearing it from Peter, by the way. So Peter was talking. So Peter remembered Jesus doing this. And Matthew remembers one more little detail that Peter didn't remember. Uh, just so you know, that's like one proof that actually this is correct, is that their stories don't line up exactly, but they say the same thing. So that was free too. Uh, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And here, this is what Matthew remembers. He's like, Pretty sure Jesus said all these things. He replied, because you have so little faith. 
They're like, "Uh uh-oh. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So here, Jesus gives a little bit more of a hint of, first of all, number one, Jesus was prayed up. What does Mark say? This kind comes out only by prayer. It wasn't the prayer that Jesus was praying right then. It was the prayer that he'd already been having. Say, so when, you're, when you're walking with the Lord and you're, you're praying, you're building yourself up, you're ready for battles that you don't know you need to face. If you only prepare yourself for the battles you know you're going to face, you're going to be unprepared a lot of the time. Because uh, most of the time, God gives pop quizzes. Have you noticed that the tests are not like open notes or, you know, I guess they are open notes. He's like, here, here's all the notes. <laughs> if you know all this, you're ready for everything. <laughs> That's a big book, God. <laughs> this reminds me of some of my college classes. Just if you know all this, you'll get an A. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> No pressure. That's the kind of teacher I'd be, actually. I'd be like, sucker, if you learn it at all, you can get an A. If not, sorry. Um, you got to earn it. So, uh, <laughs> no grace. Uh, it's all works. So, because you also, Jesus said, <laughs> you have so little faith. So it's like, here's the deal. Here's what happened with the disciples. This is, this is, this is John's, uh, theory. Okay, so this is a, this is theory right now. Okay, you can totally disagree with this, and that's fine. I think what happened was what happens with us so many times. The the man brings this boy to Jesus. The boy, some crazy stuff starts happening. They all look at each other like, "Who's going to go first, right?" You, I mean, that's what you're thinking, right, Stephen? You're thinking you're in a group. Let's say it's all all y'all are praying right here, and you're like, "Where there's no pastors here?" I mean, like. Peter, James, and John are gone. So the big three are gone. Jesus is gone too. And it's like, you're, it's you. And so what are you three going to do? You're going to look at each other and go, who's going first, right? And you're going to be, you know, little, right? I think about that. And then the disciples saw it going crazy. So they're like, try to prayer. They're like, hey, stop that. <laughs> no. <laughs> But they're like, I know nothing's going to happen. In their head, they're like, nothing's probably going to happen. Nothing's probably going to happen. And then they go, oh, nothing happened. You all remember my, uh, I had an experience like that at camp one year. It's been a long time ago. What is this, like 2007 probably? Uh, what is that, 12 years ago? We I still remember that. We had the, this is, the, this is where I, I like put myself right in this story. Uh, and so... We had, in 2006, we had an amazing camp. We saw the power of God just do amazing stuff. And so we came back to camp the next year and we were, we were all psyched, you know. Uh, by this time, I don't even know if I'd been, I guess I probably would have been just appointed as senior pastor here. And so we're even more psyched. Oh yeah, we're going to go to camp and we're going to see God do amazing things. And so in the middle of this like discussion time, well, it's just the discussion time. You know what? We break up into youth groups and like, okay, this group goes over here and we're just going to talk a little bit. And this girl starts going crazy. Okay. And it's not just the teenage girl issue. Okay. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, 
it, it happens, okay? Junior high boy, teenage girl. I mean, there's all kinds of things that just, just happen that are just part of life. It was, it, this is not teenage girl. This is like, hello, that's not good. <laughs> you know, when you have it, and then we all, I think all of us leaders, there were several young, young leaders around, and we, we did this exact thing you were all doing. We all like are looking around like, who's gonna, who's gonna go first? You know, cause we know this girl starts, she starts manifesting a demonic presence. And doing some stuff and getting, she's getting louder. You know, you, you pray that it, oh God, please let her stop. <laughs> you know, quietly under your breath. And so we're like, alright, we're gonna go for it. So we, us three, was it Gary Coe too, probably. So we're all like, okay, I guess it's up to us. We're looking around, there's no Kim Pittner, there's no Pastor Tom Pucci, there's no the older pastors, you know, the ones that are all experienced. So we're like, we start praying over this girl and like, guess what happens? Nada, nothing, zilch, settle, <laughs> you know, and we're going. And so here's here's what we actually said. Those of you that heard this story can go to sleep, okay? Uh, we're like, we need Tom Pucci. And he was like the pastor that was like, you know, just the really spiritual pastor. You know, he's really experienced. He's cast out lots of demons and all this stuff. And so we need Tom Pucci. Go get Tom Pucci. Because <laughs> we're like, we can't handle it. It's like, get get Jesus. <laughs> so we send somebody to his room. He's in the shower. <laughs> he's in the shower. I guess, you know, it's like, it was like the end of the night, you know, like all the men, we'd already done the ministries like, all right, cool. They're going to just play games now. Let's break up into groups and have a nice discussion. And then there's like, ah! And so, you know, Tom, somebody gets Tom out. Him and his wife show up. They're a great couple. And <laughs> we're like, Tom, we can't, we can't. We tried to cast it out, but we couldn't do it. I mean, it was like I'm living the story. Like, literally, I'm dead serious. This has really happened. And so, so Tom and Mary show up, and they go, this is going to stop right now. And they're like, in the name of Jesus, will you stop this? And they speak to three things and boom, she's free. And we're like the other disciples, how come we couldn't cast it out? <laughs> right? <laughs> Pastor Tom. <laughs> oh boy. Because you have so little faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith, but it does take a little. If you believe, see, here's the deal. If you're a child of God and you're in a, in a situation and you need to pray for somebody, everybody you need is there. Everybody you need is there. You you can't be given into the thoughts that are whispering in your head. This is not the Holy Spirit saying, "If only Pastor Ashley were here." Some of you look at Pastor Ashley, probably like Pastor Tom Pucci, like if we just had Ashley here, <laughs> we could take care of this, right? I mean, I think the thought too sometimes. It's just nice to have your wife with you. Sometimes you're just like, if I had somebody else here with me, at least we could, you know. Oh, if I just had Pastor Don here. Maybe he could speak Hebrew to this demon. <laughs> Is that going to help? No, it's not going to. Don's going to help. Yeah. Why? Because he has Jesus. But who has Jesus too? You do. Here's the deal. With us, Jesus is never on the mountain. He's always right there with us. And it's faith that activates that authority. 
Because the authority has already been given, right? Jesus said, all authority. You know, I'd, I'd hope I'd face that situation differently, and I believe I would, uh, if the little, little girl is being a little bit more than a teenage girl and having a, a problem going on. I'm not, the, my first thought is not going to be, I need to call pastor whoever. Because what I've been given is enough. And really, that's what faith is. What I've been given is enough. What Jesus has done is enough. It's trusting that what Jesus did is already enough. You know, if you're trying to get free from something in your life, what Jesus has done is already enough. You don't have to do more. You do have to trust him and allow him to free you and heal you and work in your life. But it's an act of faith. It's an act of trust where you say, God, I'm going to trust you. What does it say in Hebrews 11? I'm going to close with the, reading this scripture. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. I don't want to assume that you know this thing. I, I never want to assume that, oh, you all know this. So let's read it. Hebrews 11. Hopefully it's taken you as long as me to get there. So, here we go. Hebrews 11. This is the faith chapter. Just so you know, if you, if you haven't ever heard of this chapter, Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter. Now, faith, it says in verse 1, is, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. There it is again, the unseen and the seen. By faith, Abel brought God a better sacrifice or offering than Cain did. By faith, he was committed as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. So here's the deal. All these guys are mentioned. They're all in the Old Testament, so you just got to go read their stories. Look it up on Bible Gateway. Do a search. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Notice it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, of the things that we do not see. If you're waiting to see it, you're not waiting for faith. If it's unseen, you're God, I can't, I can't see it, God, I can't see it. Hey, guess what? You're in a, you're in the perfect place. You're in the place of this young, young man to say, God, I do believe you, cause I, I do believe you. I do have some faith, God, but I've still got some unbelief. So help my unbelief. So that I can step through the door and walk in what you want me to walk in and see the miracle, see the freedom, see the breakthrough. See the encouragement, whatever it is that we're looking for. Amen. Let's stand. I think that, I think the message was the same for us this morning. All through the service here, God was, was stirring our faith. So I just want to, just want to agree with what's already been done and ask, ask you, Lord, right now, we just agree with what's already been imparted and released in lives. And so we thank you, Lord. I pray that anybody's here whose heart has gone to sleep, Spiritually, in the name of Jesus, I say, come awake.
Wake up to the things of God. Wake up to the Spirit of God. To those that are weary, I say, put your hope. Wrap your arms around Jesus. Let him carry you to a new place. To those who are afraid, Holy Spirit, I thank you for speaking words of hope and freedom and faith in their hearts. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. For those that are struggling with unbelief and doubt, Lord, we take authority of any, over anything that would speak into our minds or our hearts that would, that would try to say that God is not enough, that it's just not working. I've tried it before. I prayed, I've prayed, I haven't seen it happen. And we silence the voice of the unbeliever, of the enemy himself that would say to us, God's not going to come through. And we invite you, Lord, to help us with our unbelief, God. Help us with our unbelief. Let us trust you in new ways. Let us take steps of faith so that we can see your kingdom released, God. Let us walk into, into, with boldness and confidence, Lord. Let us use your authority that you've given us with wisdom and with, with, with trust, God. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now. Just gently releasing faith into hearts. Just as my wife said, there's just a, a miraculous thing. We're just, just faith, faith rose up. God, we just thank you that the same spirit of faith, the same, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is also going to give life to our bodies. It's, you're going to stir us up. You're going to release us into new things. And so we honor you today. We worship you, God. We thank you for, for renewing faith today and allowing us to see that we can't see. So we're going to trust you anyway and believe that what you say is true. In Jesus' name, amen.